Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. History of the church, folks who study the Bible have often talked about, compared and contrasted two ideas of the the idea of justification and sanctification. Um, Romans 4 talks about justification. It says this, it says, he, Jesus, was delivered over to sin, over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Um, Justification is a a legal term in the original Bible language. Um, And in the context of Romans 4, it it means being delivered from a penalty of sin that's legally ours to bear. Um, So about what Jesus did on the cross, uh, we've been legally delivered from sin. Legally, we are not not responsible for our sin. Um, God will not judge us based on our actions, but on the actions of Jesus Christ. So he has justified us. Um, And and so while our justification is finished, it's over, it's done, um, our sanctification is ongoing. Um, And sanctification is this progressively becoming like Jesus. Uh, It happens little by little um, when, you know, starting from when we're justified till we die. Um, So it's learning how not just to do what Jesus did, but to think how he thinks, to feel how he feels. Um, It's actually the playing out of our decisions each day and every moment, learning to, learning to, to do it more like Christ, which um, for me sounds really difficult to do what Christ did, but the more that, you, the more that we become like him, the less, it's, it, the less it's, it becomes about me, my everyday decisions. It, just, it's, it becomes that the Holy Spirit makes it natural to me. Um, it's interesting to me that Jesus says while he was on earth that he was being sanctified by his, him learning to obey uh, his father, which I think is really Interesting to me, Jesus had you know, Jesus has to be sanctified. Why does Jesus need to be sanctified? Why does he need to learn to become like himself? But this says this. This says, as you sent me into the world, as the, the, God the Father, as Jesus is talking, he says, Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. I've sent these guys into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus sanctifies himself through this obedience and not just, not just, you know, by what he did, but who he was. Um, and so I, obviously we don't have that luxury. We can't sanctify ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit that is sanctifying us. We, we, we kind of surrender to the Holy Spirit and he, he sanctifies us. He, he's, you know, and we're not going to progressively make ourselves like, like God, like Jesus. We submit to the father and he does it. Listen to this. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And lots of times I think I'm, I'm responsible for sort of sanctifying myself or becoming like Jesus through argh, just trying really hard. This says, nah, uh-uh, no, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your, your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you faithful, and he will do it. He will do it. As we submit to the Father, he uses all kinds of things to sanctify us. Uh, he, can, and he can use what we celebrate and how we celebrate to make us holy. Um, what we choose to celebrate has power to change us, the power to, to form us. Um, so in, in World War I, the way those men celebrated Christmas that year 
it's life changing, right? Like imagine if you were one of those people in in the in those in that situation, and you were raising your hands, coming out where you could easily die, and you celebrate Christmas with your enemy. You'd remember that the rest of your life. It would be life changing. It's, this idea of how vulnerable it was, how humanizing to your enemy it was, is so life-changing. On the other hand, on the other hand, maybe all of us have watched some kind of athletic competition where you, you've seen someone celebrate when a good player from the opposing team is injured. And when you see that happen, you're like, That's, why would you celebrate that? That's gross. This is an athletic competition. You should should never celebrate something like that. When I when when I uh, when I celebrate when someone I don't like is humiliated, when I celebrate when somebody that that makes me angry doesn't get what they want, clearly over the, over time, doing celebrating things like that has a it can deform your soul. It makes you it makes you not who you want to be. God knows what we celebrate is so important. And, and I think that's why when you, if you look at the, the first half of the Bible, there's all these instructions about celebrate this, celebrate that, celebrate me, celebrate over and over and over again. And God knows what we celebrate is really, really important. About 1,300 years before Jesus is born, God rescues the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And God tells them, have a day of celebration Every year to remember what I'm doing for you. It, all of it's happening. It's super exciting for all the people. And he says, okay, wait, 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 wait. Before we go any further, you guys, every year, I want you to celebrate this. Celebrate this thing that I've done. The celebration is called Passover. Um, the first time God's explaining it to Israel, he says this. He says, this is the day you are to commemorate for generations to come. You shall celebrate it. Imagine being commanded to celebrate something. I'm commanding you to celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a long-lasting ordinance. God makes this law because he knows that humans are formed by what they celebrate, and which means we should ask what question. We should, ask, we, should be, you know, we should always ask ourselves this question. What do I celebrate? What, what, do, I naturally, what do I naturally celebrate? About 600 years later, the nation of Israel um, has been divided in two. Um, the northern part of the nation is called Israel, and the southern part of the nation is called Judah. Um, and Israel and Judah, they end up fighting each other all the time, civil war. And I don't know if you call it civil war even anymore. Um, the, the, nation, um, the northern part of the nation becomes more and more aggressively rejecting of God, and eventually God allows the northern part of the, of the nation of Israel to be destroyed. So... Uh, they, it's destroyed by the Assyrians. When this happens, a man named Hezekiah is king of the southern nation. And so he has a front row seat. He watches the northern nation be destroyed. When I have a front row seat to my enemy being destroyed or getting what I think they deserve, I, I'm typically like, I won't tell, you know, I won't say it out loud, but I'm like, Ooh, yeah, they're getting what they deserve. These guys are enemies. So Hezekiah should uh, celebrate their their demise. But Hezekiah is not like me. He's better than that. In fact, the Bible says this about him. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord God had given Moses. So... uh, 
When Hezekiah becomes king over Judah, the southern kingdom, um, most of the Jewish people are not paying any attention to the laws that God had given them through, you know, the commanded through Moses. Um, And they're not sacrificing uh, for their sins. Uh, The temple where they would do the sacrifices has fallen into disrepair. Um, They're not doing any of the any of the things that God had asked them to do. So one of the laws that the people were ignoring was the command to celebrate the Passover. it's, in fact, it says, it's, it, the command is very specific. It says, if anyone fails to celebrate the Passover, they must be cut off from their people. And this was, a, this was at that time, this was a huge, huge deal. Um, to be cut off from your people would be, you know, I'm going to basically, with, we're going to leave you in the desert by yourself. That was, I mean, th- this consequence wasn't happening and people had forgotten all about the Passover and everyone did whatever was right in their own eyes. And, and, uh, w- w- and we've talked before about when everyone does what's right in their own eyes, eventually it becomes dangerous. Um, we, we think we can do this. You know, we think we know what's good for us. And we, you know, we don't need anyone telling us what to do or giving any commands or giving any ideas. People don't need to tell us what's right and what's wrong. But that's exactly what Israel thought. That's exactly what Judah thought. And it led to them withdrawing from God, wandering away from God, and becoming people who were cruel and you know, eventually being destroyed. Um, so as soon as Hezekiah becomes king, he repairs the temple and he sends a message throughout all the land. He says, listen, we're going to celebrate the Passover. And he, he doesn't just send it through the southern part of the nation. He sends it through the northern part of the nation who had just been conquered, people who were his enemies. Um, he asked people to return to the Lord, and the first step to doing that is the invitation to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And this is what, he, this is what the, his note, his little note he sends out says. He says, people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you who are left and who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not, do not be like your parents. And your fellow Israelites, who were unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their ancestors, so that he made them an object of horror, as you see. Do not be stiff-necked, as your ancestors were. Submit to the Lord. Come to his sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. If you return to the Lord, then your fellow Israelites and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you return to him. So this letter goes throughout the land. Um, it's very, their very first step of returning to the Lord is to celebrate the Passover. This invitation to celebrate the Passover and a celebration where they remember God for, for saving them out of slavery. Hezekiah is betting on the fact that the celebrations will change us, that celebrations can remind us of, of who we're called to be, that, that they will revive their faith. So when the invitation is sent out, there's some people who mock the invitation. They make fun of the invitation. They make fun of the people bringing the invitation. Um, it, it, some translations say the people laugh the folks to scorn uh, who sent the message. Um, then that means that, that means that the people, they saw the invitation was beneath them. Um, I've done this in my life. Like, so people invite me to like a church event or like a conference. And I, you know, I don't laugh out loud, but I'm like, 
I'm not going to that. This, and, and I don't, you know, it's not always, typically it's not something I say out loud, but it's this feeling. That's beneath me. I don't, that's for, you know, that's for younger Christians or people who are, who, who don't know so much. Um, and this is a horrifying attitude for a Jesus follower to have, right? It's, uh, that's what happens here. That's what happens here. Many of the people treated, you know, are, you know, treated the invitation like it's beneath them. I don't need to come to that. Why would I come to that? Um, they, 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 there's some though. There's some who humbly accept the invitation to come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Um, and, and so you have to understand this invitation is not a small invitation. Um, it, it, you have to imagine um, some of these people live like 90 miles from Jerusalem and, and, and Hezekiah is inviting them. Come to, come to the temple, come to Jerusalem. So the far side of the kingdom is like 90 miles from Jerusalem. Um, and, and somebody, obviously, you know, not everyone has animals they can ride on. So somebody, he's inviting them to walk to Jerusalem, which to, to, for a frame of reference, you know, that would be like walking to Toledo and back or walking to Lansing and back. That's 90 miles. Uh, so imagine someone inviting you, hey, I want you to come to this worship service and you're going to have to walk to get there. You're going to walk 90 miles. You, you would, none of us would go to that. None of us would want to be a part of that. Um, there's some people, there are people who are part of Israel who humbled themselves and agreed to come to this, um, which I think is incredible, which I think is incredible. And what ends up being described as a large crowd comes to celebrate the Passover. And when all the people arrive for the celebration, they run into this problem. And here's the problem. Um, <clears throat> There's all these rules about how you celebrate the Passover. If you look in Exodus and Leviticus, there's tons of rules about when you celebrate the Passover, you have to do this, and you have to do that. And there's all these kinds of things that you have to do in order to celebrate the Passover. But the, the, the nation hasn't been following any of the rules. Um, and so they're not, when they show up to celebrate the Passover, none of them are actually ready to do it like God had said for them to do. Um, you, you were supposed, you know, depending on how you were living your life, there were like spiritual cleansing you had to do. Um, there were specific sacrifices you had to make. Um, some, some of the, some of the, the rituals you had to do was like a seven day process. So these guys show up having done none of that. None of that. One of the things, if, you, if, um, you were going to celebrate the Passover, your whole household, all, all, every male in your household had to be circumcised. So imagine that. You'll, here I am to celebrate the Passover. Okay, before you go, circumcise your whole household. Um, <laughs> people who didn't celebrate the Passover according to God's commands um, could be kicked out of the community and left in the desert to fend for themselves. At worst, it could cost them their lives. And, 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 you know, most of us, when you read the Old Testament, you see all the time when people don't celebrate something or do something according to what God asked them to do, it could cost them their life. And most of these people had, had spent many years, maybe their whole lives, ignoring God's laws. So needless to say, they had not done the things they were supposed to do to celebrate the Passover. And they show up anyway. They want to participate anyway. So does God have Ezekiah kick all these guys out of the kingdom? Because that's the rule. That's what it's, I mean, that, you can go back and you can read the rule, a specific rule says, if you don't celebrate it right, kick them out. Or, or does God just kill them on the spot for not doing it right? Listen to this. Listen to this. All, although most of the many people who came from Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun, all those are just states inside of Israel, had not purified themselves. They're, they're not ready to celebrate the Passover. Yet they ate the Passover, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, 
May the Lord, who is good, pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even if they are not clean, according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. When I think of the Old Testament, I always think of God like fierce God, like beat you up God or kill you or whatever. I don't remember verses like this where they have not done anything God told them to do. And they show up and God says, come on, come on. God knows that we're all in need of healing in some way. God needs to intervene and heal our church, heal our families. Maybe it begins with an invitation to celebrate. Invitation to celebrate. So uh, Christmas is less than a month away. And I, I believe, you know, just like those, like those guys in, in World War I, how we celebrate Christmas has the power to transform us, has the power to revive us, um, it's easy to be put to sleep by the busyness of the, the season or COVID or selfishness or whatever um, and forget why we're here, forget what we're doing. Um, it's easy to be put to sleep by all of that. Um, I'm inviting you to celebrate the birth of Christ in a way that's meaningful and that can heal us in ways um, that we're most needing. So uh, here are a few ways. I want to invite you to celebrate the birth of Christ later this month. So uh, one, um, prepare a gift for Jesus. Prepare a gift for Jesus. Um, I've shared with many of you guys that uh, my wife leads our family to dedicate something to Jesus for Christmas. That ends up being our focus for the next year. So examples, uh, you could say, I want to memorize a chapter of the Bible uh, in 2023. Um, You could say, I want to spend time forgiving people who've hurt me this year. Uh, I, I want to reach out to them. I want to spend time, you know, being intentional about it. Uh, there's, it. Obviously, there's tons of things you could do. I w- I'd love for you to take this month and ask the Lord if, you know, say, if I could give you a gift, Father, what, what, would, you want, would, you, what would you want it to be? If I could give you something, what would you, what, what would you want it to be? That's one. Two, um, I, I want to invite you and your family to read a book with me um, during the month of December. Um, the book is called In the Manger, um, and it's, a, it's by an author named Max, Max Lucado. Um, there are 25 short, short little entries in this book that are designed to inspire you, uh, inspire you in your gratitude to Christ for show, him showing up on earth more than 2,000 years ago. Uh, <clears throat> the church has purchased this book for you and or your family, so you can pick that up on your way out if you are here with us today. Um, if you live with folks, maybe it'd be great for you to read it together. Um, if, it, if, if you read something and it's meaningful to you or compelling to you, I'd love, I'd love to hear it. You know, love, share that with me. I'd love, love to hear from you. Um, let me ask you to do that. Uh, if you'd like, you can, uh, you can read this book on Kindle or, the, or your iPad. Um, it's available for purchase on um, Amazon's website and Apple's iBooks. But uh, again, if you're going to be here with us in person, there are, there are copies of it um, out in the lobby on the, uh, in that table in the middle 
for you'd love for you to pick up and participate with us um, during this next month. And then finally, um, if you're going to be in town on Christmas Day, um, I'd love for you to plan to spend part of it with us. Um, maybe you don't know that uh, this year Christmas is on a Sunday, um, which is great. Uh, th- that means that I get to spend part of it with some of you. So um, that day we'll spend some time eating together, um, singing Christmas songs. Um, if you're willing, I'd love for you to come ready to, to share what you'll be giving Jesus for his birthday, you know, this Christmas, um, it, it will be meaningful for all of us to get to hear what you what you want to dedicate to Christ for 2023. Uh, I'm looking forward to spending part of that day with you guys. So um, if you're willing to participate in that. Let me say this. Uh, so sometimes when I'm in church and uh, the pastor or the preacher or whatever, they're asking me to do something, I, I'm like... <laughs> I'm not doing that. And clearly, I'm not your boss. You can do whatever you want. I'm just inviting you to say, I'm, I'm inviting you like this. God may surprise you in what he will do in your life when you participate with your church family and we celebrate together. So in just a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together. Um, It's a time during our worship service when we celebrate the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ. Um, In the Bible, God tells us to celebrate um, something specific. Uh, He he does it because, you know, our hearts are made to celebrate and worship. Listen to this. These are just examples of him telling telling his people to celebrate. It says, celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. This is the Passover. Because it was on this very day I I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Remember me and celebrate it. Celebrate it. Next, celebrate the festival of the harvest and the, with the first fruits of, of the crops so you sow in your field. Celebrate the festival of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather all your crops in from the field. So when you work and you have times where you've, you've done well, celebrate me. Remember that I'm the one who gave it to you. I, I love that God wants us to, to take celebration so seriously. And, and just before Jesus died on the cross, he celebrated a Passover with his disciples. He says this, in the same way, After they ate, Jesus took the cup of wine. He said, this cup represents a new agreement from God, which begins with my blood sacrifice. When you do this, do it to remember me. Remember me and celebrate me. Celebrate this thing that's happening. It's valuable. It's important. When you have a lifetime, then you don't just... Pause and think about this. Those of us who are part of a, you know, grew up in church or you've part of been a church family, you've been a Christian for a very long time, we take celebrating communion and worship casually, but when you think about, think about this. When you have a lifetime of regularly celebrating Jesus' blood sacrifice, does, after a lifetime of that, does it have the power to transform your life? And I, I think most certainly it does. Most certainly it does. If we pause and we say, wow, thank God that that happened. Thank God that for the blood sacrifice of Jesus, we got to celebrate that. If we do that regularly over a lifetime, that has power. That has power. In your mind, in your prayers right now, thank God. Celebrate his blood sacrifice for us. Let's pray together. Dear Father, most certainly... uh, You've given us this opportunity with this group of people right now. Some of us, some of us are spread out due, you know, because of holiday stuff, but, but 
this this group of people, you, you know who, we're, who we mean when we say that, this group of, this, this church family, this sacred community, we have an opportunity with this group of people to learn together, to be more like you. And every person, every one of us has something to contribute to forming who we become. I pray, I pray that you, you would bring us together. Bring us together around this idea of communion. Make us one. Unify us around it. The cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus. Form us by our celebration of it. And then I pray this month as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the showing up on earth of Jesus, that you would use that to form us. You would use that to to form us in ways that that we can't articulate and we don't even understand now. And and I pray for the the, the person who may, who's like me and might be skeptical of, yeah, I'm... I've celebrated that before, or I'm just not feeling it, or I pray that you would just let us, help us be humble, help us just to meet, leave space to meet you. Give us, give us, put in our minds what you want us to dedicate to you as a gift to Jesus this year. Help us to follow along with the, this, this book in the manger and speak to us, speak to us through those words. And then for those of us who are going to be in the time town together, Lord, I just pray on, on Christmas Day, you let that celebration be transformational for us. But as we celebrate communion every week, I pray that we would, by faith, believe that over a lifetime of celebrating the blood sacrifice of Jesus, you will form us into the beautiful likeness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.